and many faces I know, some I don't, so hello if I've not met you before, it's good to be here with you, and, um, and uh, yeah, I was, uh, I realise I'm wearing a lot of blue today, I said to my wife, what, uh, Jean, before I walked, yeah, exactly, that's what happened at the beginning, Roger and uh, Nigel were like, you know, is it an Ipswich thing, as in supporting Ipswich thing going on here, I'm like, assured them that absolutely not, but... How many are Ipswich supporters here? Are there Ipswich? Have we got a real mix? Is a few, I know Peter was here. Yeah, okay, so three of you. How many are Norwich fans? How many of you really don't care? <laughs> yep, I'm, I'm with you lot. I'm with, I'm with you. <laughs> I really don't care. Um, is that wrong? <laughs> is that bad? Sorry. <laughs> How to make friends. Well, I want to talk about friendship, actually. <laughs> That's exactly what I want to talk about. Um, by the way, I'm juggling a few things as well. I've got a clicker thing. I'm going to be using, and I'm getting used to preaching with glasses now as well, because I have to, re- for my reading, and so if I'm fumbling my way, that's just why at the moment, um, <laughs> comes with it, what was that, Gene? My teeth might come out next, thank you. Well, this is going well, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's good to be among friends, <laughs> genuinely, it is, and um, I want to talk about friendship, and I want to introduce you first to four ladies, oh, hang on. Well, there we go. These are these four ladies on the screen here. Let me just... Whoop. <laughs> oh, and I normally speak on a... I, no, not, I normally sit on a stool when I preach nowadays as well. I just quite like sitting on a stool. So I'm not used to preaching standing up either. <laughs> anyway, we'll get there. Back to these four lovely ladies. These four lovely ladies, I came across in an article. Um, their names are Ruth Hammett, Gladys Butler, Bernice Underwood and Leona Barnes. Can you guess what they've all got in common? They all go to church. Right, they do. Yep, yep, yeah, the context. Well, good spot there. Very. Any other? Windrush generation? No, although they would be, I think. Any other? I heard, did I hear someone say age? Age. Okay, age. They all, let me get this right, turn 100 in the same year. And they've been lifelong friends. Uh, it's a beautiful article about this lifelong friendship through the ups and the downs. Uh, there's one bit that one, one of them says, where is it? She says this, they had their personal ups and downs. She said, we would fight together and our children would too. And then we'd have a good time. I like that. <laughs> we'd have a bit of a Barney and then we'd have a good time. Barnes said, one of them said, we were friends, friends, friends. Quite amazing. And there's something about reading an article like that that you, I don't know, it, it, it warms my heart. Is that too sort of whatever to say? You know, it's, there's something quite beautiful about it, isn't there? Friendship over a lifetime. Friendship is a, a, a much needed thing. And it's a powerful thing. Friends, act, friends shape us. Friends really do shape us and our lives. And so that's why who our friends are really, really matters as well. We need them. And so I want to look at what it means to be a faithful friend, faithful friend this morning and, and why we need them and, and unpack some stuff from the book of Colossians. We'll get there in just a minute. But I do believe this. When we talk about friendship, and I know this is in your sort of vision statement thing about being, making disciples, making deep friendships. The deal of friendship is not a kind of peripheral kind of add-on. I know you know this, all right? I'm just stating the obvious. But it's not a peripheral kind of add-on to church life that, hey, yeah, if we've got deep friendships, then that's a plus. Actually, I, I think this is true, that the substance and health 
of a local church will be determined by the substance and health of the friendships within that church. And that's friendship with God. That's the gospel, isn't it? We're friends with God. Love God with all your heart. And then love one another as yourself. So friendship, this deal, is right at the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. Um, there's a, I don't know if you've come across this book um, by Gordon MacDonald uh, called A Resilient Life. Anyone read this? Um, Gordon MacDonald, he's an excellent writer. Um, I had the privilege of meeting him once. He came to Norwich uh, many, many years ago. And um, he was the kind of guy that, um, after spending a day with him, I sort of got to the end of the day and thought, right, I want to be like him when I grow up. And one of the reasons was, was because the way that he interacted with my son, who wasn't very old then, we picked him up from a hotel, taking my son to school, and my son was in the back of the car, I don't know how old he was, Ethan, at the time, but the way that Gordon got in the car, engaged with my son, that at the end of the day, Ethan said to me, are we going to see that man again? Just in that little moment, there was something quite beautiful about the way he extended friendship across generations. And he says in this book here, he says, I cannot grow into what God wants me to, or in God what wants me to be, unless I'm in tight formation with others. He talks about running together. And that's where some, you know, this, this phrase, maybe here, running partners, we talk about that at Kings, about having threes or fours, people together, that you're running really closely with, in deep relationship with, is so important into growing into all that God has called you to be. Now, I realise that when we talk about friendship, that if you've lived any length of time, the chances are you've experienced pain through friendship as well. And we'll talk a bit about that. And so I understand that as we talk about friendship and deep friendships, some of us might be feeling that quite deeply in different ways, depending on what has gone on in our lives. I'm also very aware, I'm going to talk about friendship, obviously, it's church, <laughs> talk from a very, a very Christian perspective. But I recognise there might be some in the room, you're not Christian, maybe you're trying to explore stuff about God, but I hope that what I say will make sense and ultimately point to the one, the substance, the rock, the foundation, as we've been hearing this morning, of our faith, that is Christ. And that enables us to have these kinds of friendships. And, and it's friendship, isn't it, in, in a diverse bunch of people. I, lo- I love church. Um, for many reasons. One is, and I don't just mean the hour or so on a Sunday, I mean church, together, our friendships, how we are throughout the week, because of the diversity. You ever wondered that? You look around sometimes, you look, do you know what, I wouldn't know you if it wasn't for Jesus. Simple as. And I probably wouldn't have bothered knowing you. I don't mean you personally, I'm not, this isn't a personal thing. Uh, just <laughs> I'm speaking about <laughs> out there, but you know what I'm saying. And so we need this. We need friendship. It's the heart of what we do. It's why we have... And Jesus, doesn't he, call his disciples friends. I love that when you come across that in the gospel. You've got these rabbis who would have their followers and Jesus sits with these ragtag bunch of diverse group of disciples and he says, you're my friends. I mean, what must have that felt like to them? One like Jesus saying, you're my friend. Huge. Surely that's life-changing. Surely that's grace right there, isn't it? And so we're going to read a few verses from the end of Colossians. So if you've got a Bible, turn to it in the New Testament. Um, and uh, this, this short letter that Paul writes, and we're going to read from verse 7 through to verse 18. Oh, I got, if I click, what happens? Oh, nothing, I've broken it already. Oh, there you go. Well, we'll come to that in a minute. Okay, you can go back now. <laughs> 
I'm not very good with it. Anyway, it says this, verse 7, chapter 4 of Colossians. As to all my affairs, Paul's coming to the end of his letter now, and he's giving personal greetings and all sorts of things. Um, Tychicus, I can never pronounce this one, this first name. If anyone's got a better pronunciation than that, please tell me. Our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord will bring you information. Verse 8. For I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who's one of your number, they will inform you about the whole situation here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you greetings, and also Barnabas, Barnabas' cousin, Mark, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And also Jesus, who is called Justus. These are the only fellow workers of the kingdom who are from the circumcision, or probably Jewish Christians talking about there. And they've, been proved, they've proved to be an encouragement to me. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings always, labouring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, he sends you greetings also. And Demas, greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also Nympha and the church that is in her house. And when this letter is read among you, have it also read among the church of the Laodiceans. And you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfil it. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. So he's in prison. Grace be with you. There's a, there's a diversity in this group of people that Paul writes to. There's a mix of Jews and Gentiles, maybe a wealthy homeowner, the nympha. If a church in her house, the house would likely have to be big enough to house those people. So she was likely um, a, a wealthy homeowner. Um, you've got people who are, are from all sorts of backgrounds. You've got, you've got a slave. You've got um, Luke, who's this, 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 this physician, this doctor. And so you've got this richness there in the diversity of people in who Paul speaks to. And I want to try and open up some of the richness of some of these names. And again, I'm sure if you've been around church any length of time, often it's not that something's new that comes, is it? We're reminded of things. Things are reinforced to us that we already know, that we take hold of and we believe as well. And so the Bible is this living document, isn't it? These, these real people at real places at real times. It, the, it's the Bible is not this... Someone didn't go up on a mountain and start to write some spiritual things on the side of a mountain in perfect peace. They wrote them in the sort of the, 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 the thick and the thin and the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows and the reality of life. Prison floor is where Paul wrote this from. This is what, the, again, I love the Bible for this. It's not some sort of, please hear this right, sort of spiritual document that we sort of draw this um, sort of, I don't know, spiritual wisdom from in, in, a, in a sort of abstract way. It's, it, it's concrete reality. You know, it's truth that's lived down in difficult things. And that's why we need faithful friends. And the first thing faithful friends do is this. If, right, I'll try again. It's not working. I don't, I don't think it's just me. Can you click for me? Is that right? First one is this, number one. Faithful friends point us to Jesus. I, um, I bought two Bibles up here, not because I wanted to be impressive and say I've got two Bibles, or holy, or anything like that. But this is my first Bible. And... Uh, I was given this Bible by uh, my friend Tim, and it was when I was living at home with, with Jean, when, before I became, well, just became a Christian, I think. And I remember Tim and Jean, they both pointed me to Jesus. Um, this is 20, 
25, 26, 27 years ago. Anyway, it's a while back now. I can't remember how long. But I remember getting this Bible. And in giving me this Bible, they were pointing me to Jesus. They, they were saying, look, in here are these stories of Jesus, that it all points to him. He is the main point of the Bible, isn't he? And I remember getting that. And if you go back in Colossians chapter 1, uh, in verses one to, um, 5 to 7 in chapter 1, it talks about Epaphras here. It says, The gospel which has come to you that is uh, in all the world is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even, if it's been do- even as it's been doing among you since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. And here's it, verse 7, Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant. And so you've got Epaphras right at the beginning here, this man who, 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 who taught them about Jesus, who pointed them to Jesus. That's what good friends will do for us. They'll point us there. And Paul, obviously, through the book of this, this letter of Colossians, when you read the beginning of it, he's pointing them to Jesus. He's unpacking who Christ is. And so this is what Paul wants to do. He does it in all his letters. Before he gets to kind of the practical outworking of the Christian faith, he says, first of all, what you need to know is loads about who Jesus is. That's what you need to know. So good friends do that. And that might mean pointing someone to Jesus for the first time. It might mean having a conversation with someone. It might mean inviting them along on a Sunday and saying, just come and hear and see and think and see what you think. It might be pointing someone to Jesus for the hundredth millionth time. Because we all need pointing to Jesus, don't we? You know, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, that you would run the race. Well, how often do our eyes get sidetracked onto other things and we grow weary and tired maybe and we don't fix our eyes on Christ? Meditate on him, think about him, that's what we're told. And we need people around us who can help us to do that. So faithful friends point us to Jesus. Second thing is this, faithful friends encourage our hearts. The word encourage means to put courage in, doesn't it? It's literally what the word means. Put courage in. If I was to ask here, does anybody in this room right now not need any encouragement in their life? Right. Look around the room. There's literally no hands up. What do we have the opportunity to do this week? I know you know this, but you know, literally, we're all sitting here, I'm standing, (laughs) saying we need encouragement. And so we're meant to do that. We step out in all sorts of ways. And it says that here, I love it, but Paul says to to, to Tychius, who I can't pronounce his name, to visit them in verse 8, that he may encourage your hearts. Um, Aristarchus and Mark, he says, that they have been an encouragement to me. The Apostle Paul needed encouragement. He needed faithful friends around him to bring refreshment to him. Again, I love it having friends that, 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 that put a smile on my face when they walk in the room, when I'm doing stuff. I just think, oh, they bring strength to me. I love being with them. They do me good, and we all need that. This word encouragement here, it's, this, it's a word that means to, to kind of come alongside someone, first of all. That's the first part of the word. It means to come alongside, para. Um, and, and, and that's part of encouragement. You've got to come alongside someone. That can be physically, meeting up with someone. It can be a phone call. It could be a message. But you come alongside someone. And then the other part of the encouragement word in the Greek is all to do with about words. It's then speaking words of strengthening, of comfort, of peace, of truth, sometimes of challenge, sometimes of correction. Sometimes we need that from our friends. All of those things we need from friends. 
A little phrase I picked up um, on one of our uh, membership courses at King's a number of years ago. I oh, know, maybe it was a year ago, I don't know. Anyway, someone just said that we all need someone or someones who are close enough to see it and close enough to say it in our lives. And that's about giving encouragement. But it's also about the, hey, do you know, I need that. I need someone to say, Toby, that's a bit, that's not really Christ-like. I need people who are close enough to see it and close enough to say it. And we all do. We need to build those friendships when it's like that. And so faithful friends encourage our hearts. We had a Thanksgiving yesterday at King's for a dear lady at King's who um, suddenly died, um, 93 years old, and um, her name's Jenny, Jenny Dara. And um, she'd been at King's about her and her husband 10 years, and her husband died a number of years earlier. And the stories and the testimonies from her life were just beautiful. And I think the one thing that struck me most that, that, that came through from everyone was that everybody who Jenny spoke with came away feeling kind of encouraged and like they were loved and that, that, that they were known. And that she, when she said, how are you, she really meant it. And you knew that of Jenny. It's a beautiful life lived. And uh, I look at people like that and think, oh, Lord, I just want to be, be more like that. So let's think this week, how can we encourage one another's hearts? Third thing is this, faithful friends stick with us through suffering. If you read in 2 Corinthians at the end, you haven't got to turn to it necessarily, I'll read a few bits from it, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and uh, there's a list that the Apostle Paul, he's been out planting churches and doing all sorts of stuff, and then there's this list of stuff that he's been through, when he says, I've had far more imprisonments, I've been beaten, um, time, you know, more, more number than I can count, I've been in danger of death, five times I received 39 lashes, that's from whips, three times I was beaten with rod, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from countrymen, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among my false brothers. I've been in labour and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and in exposure. If he asked you to go on a trip with him... <laughs> seriously. If Paul said, I'm going on a trip, would you go with him? <laughs> You'd think twice, wouldn't you? Whereas Erasticus, back in Acts 19, I mean, he's already been brought up in, in front of an angry mob in, uh, in, in Ephesus. You can read that about in Acts 19. And he says Erasticus is on the floor with Paul in this prison with him. He knows what can happen when you're with Paul. He knows what you can go through. But he's there with Paul in the darkness. He's there with Paul in the uncertainty. He's there with Paul on the floor in that moment. Proverbs 17, verse 17 says, A friend loves at all times. And a brother or sister is born for the hour of trouble. A real friend loves at all times. So faithful friends stick with us through suffering. They stick with us through when we do mess up and we do fail and we do get it wrong. And that takes me to my next point, that faithful friends sometimes do fail us. I realise that that might not make sense. If they're faithful, surely they wouldn't fail us. <laughs> but friends do sometimes fail us, don't they? And I know that over the years I've not, A, been the perfect friend to people. I know I haven't. I know I'm going to have failed. 
And I've also been through things where I've had what I considered really deep friendships where they failed and betrayed. That's really painful when you go through those times. And in uh, verse 10 here, you've got it says, it talks about Mark, Barnabas' cousin Mark. Now Barnabas, Barnabas had opened the door to the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter, basically. He drew him in, he believed in Paul when others doubted whether Paul was even legit and whether Paul was actually pulling a fast one on the Christians, saying he'd become a Christian so he'd get closer to them and persecute them and kill them and put them in prison. Barnabas was the one who bridged that gap. He stepped over that gap. That's what Barnabas did for Paul. He introduced him to the other apostles in Jerusalem. And then we read in Acts chapter 15, what? They had a lovely time? Sharp disagreement. Sharp disagreement. Yeah, they had a falling out. Yeah. That's what happened. And you can read about that in Acts 15, verse 36 to 41. And it was over Mark, actually, Barnabas' cousin Mark. It was over Mark that Paul was like, you know, Barnab- Mark has failed us once. He's let us down once. I ain't taking him on another trip. I don't want to do that. And so they'd had this sharp disagreement and they go their separate ways. Now, they separated their ways in approximately AD 49. Colossians was written in AD 61, roughly. This is approximate, okay? So you've got around sort of 12 years in between there. And then we read in verse 14 here in Colossians, it says, Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his, oh, this is another, it sends you his love, his greetings, as does Demas. Okay, so this is another one. Demas. In 2 Timothy 4, 9 to 11, okay, which is written after Colossians, I think, it says, make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, okay, he's just greeted Demas, mentioned, well, not mentioned about Demas here. Demas, having loved this present world, has what? Deserted me. Only Luke is with me. So, so you've got Paul has experienced both, um, both the falling out with Barnabas because of Mark, And then you've got Demas, who was once with him, who was a friend on the journey with him, who has now let him down and deserted him. But there's a little comment then in 2 Timothy 4, 9 to 11 at the end, where he says, pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he's useful to me for service. Before he didn't want to take Mark on this trip, but you just get this sense there's been reconciliation, there's been this coming back together again. Something has happened in those ears. Who knows? And it won't have been that Paul walked in it perfectly because he's Paul the Apostle. He wasn't perfect. He would have messed up at times. That's the, the truth here. And again, I love the Bible for this as well. Something, one of the things that really, I guess, if, if you're struggling with, is this true, is it not? Can we trust the Bible? It is the fact it doesn't paint any of the people in the Bible as heroes. These human, you know, they're human. You go through an entire Old Testament, they fail, 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 fail. I mean, about Solomon recently, you've got this king who's amazing, amazing, wise. And then he makes the most foolish decisions. It's real, and it's real about them here as well, about the disagreements. And, and it's so important, isn't it, that how we handle these things in the life of church, how we handle friendships, when people do fail us, when we fail people. Just a few things to do if, if, if that happens. Well, not if it happens, when it happens. And I do believe that getting this right as well is, is, is getting it right. The boots that Rachel talked about. <laughs> Learning to walk in boots that feel a bit uncomfortable and that give you blisters now and again, a bit painful at times. In one sense, it's not we're going to get it perfect, but it's learning to walk in these things. 
And how do we walk in this? Well, one is we're meant to go after people. We go after reconciliation. We pursue people where, where we've hurt people where they've hurt us. We go after them. And if you want to meditate on that, think about that, talk about it in your life groups, small groups or whatever, uh, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 18, meditate on those, spend time in what Jesus teaches on this about going to someone when they've sinned against you or when you've sinned against them. So go after it. Don't, don't just leave it. Extend grace to people. And I'm, I don't want to oversimplify this process either because I'm not saying it's an easy one either. But it is an essential one. Extend grace. We want to think the best of people, not hold things against them. So let's go after people, extend grace, grieve the loss. Sometimes if there's no way through, as a relationship that Gene and I had with some friends that, that it didn't end well and it's not been repaired and, and, and that hurts. And you've got to grieve the loss, it's right sometimes when you are hurt to acknowledge that, that this has been painful. Not to ignore it, not to shove it under the carpet and say, oh well, move on. But to actually work through those things. It's not just get over it. But also then guard your heart as well. Not allow cynicism, bitterness to grow. It can really, that can happen, can't it? We can become more guarded in our heart as well when we get hurt. Well, I've trusted once, twice, three times. Well, you're asking me to go again and actually I found it quite painful. And sometimes it's just working through that again with the grace of God and the gospel and saying, okay, Jesus, you were betrayed. You do know what this is like. You, you know, Peter failed you. <laughs> Judas betrayed you. You know what it's like. And what do we see in Christ? You see Christ extending. He, he washed, I mean, he washed um, Judas's feet. The heel that would kick against him, he washed that foot. It's, it's amazing. He, he welcomed Peter back in after he betrayed him and let him down. So we need to learn how to walk through that when we do find it difficult in friendship, because we will. So faithful friends point us to Jesus, they encourage our hearts, they stick with us through suffering, they sometimes fail us. And the fifth thing is friends, faithful friends pray for us as well. That's what they do. Verse 12 to 13, it talks about this, this deep concern. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave, sends you his greetings, always working hard, laboring earnestly for you in his prayers or wrestling in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in the will of God. He's one of their number. You know, I was trying to think through this. Is that what is it that helps us to pray in this way? Um, why, why is it that Epaphras was particularly led to wrestle in his prayers for them? And I think it's around that. What it says there, he's one. He's one of your number. It's proximity. He, he knew them. We can pray for all sorts of things. We can pray for anything across the world. You know, that goes on, and that's wonderful. But when we have that deep personal connection with people. There's something about that that draws us into praying for people and owning it in the way that I think is going on here. We may not pray in the same way for all people all over the world. But Epaphras here, he, he gave himself to prayer. Um, and this word wrestling, this agonizing, strenuous and consistent intervention with God on behalf of others. Listen to that again. Strenuous and continuing. This is one definition. Continue, consistent intervention with God on behalf of others. Who does that sound like? Jesus, doesn't it? In Gethsemane, praying. Isn't that what he's doing? On the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Isn't that just Jesus? Isn't this he's just modelling Jesus here to us, what Jesus is like in praying for us? He prays for Peter, doesn't he, when Peter kind of 
is going to fail. And Peter is so sure of himself. He's like, I ain't going to fail you. Everyone else might. Not me. No, no, not me. And Jesus is like, no, no, three times you're going to deny me. I'd love to be listening into more of that conversation. He's like, no, 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 I'm all right, thanks. No, no, and, and Jesus is like, no, 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 Peter, listen, I've prayed for you. <laughs> you need to know that. That, 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 that when you've turned after you've denied me three times, I've prayed for you, your faith will not fail in that moment. And when you come back, you're going to strengthen your brothers. That's what's going to happen. Peter's like, nah, I'm all right. Pray for one another. That's what Jesus does for us. It's what we do for one another. And um, there's another book here. I'm not recommending books, by the way. I know you can read loads of books, don't you? You don't have to read anything if you don't want to. You read the Bible, obviously. Um, <laughs> but, or listen to it, whatever, you know. But that's the main deal. But I, I look at books as good friends. Genuinely. I think, why, why is that? Because when I find a good book, it's someone who has poured themselves out in a sacrificial way for the benefit of others. That's what a good book is. Yeah? Someone has poured themselves out. There's big sacrifice that goes into this. And so when I find a book that I, I kind of connect with, for someone who's writing in a way that points me to Jesus and helps me with my faith, it's like a faithful friend coming alongside me, just in book form. And this book by Paul Miller, I don't know if you've come across it, A Praying Life, if you, if you haven't come across it, it's an outstanding book on prayer. One of the best I've read, I think, in terms of how to walk it through, even with things like, it's got two chapters on cynicism. How many books on prayer... Have you come across that have dealt with the issue of cynicism? Hmm? I haven't. But I'm glad he does, because he really helped me. Because I would lean that way of being sceptical. I would lean that way. And he really helped me. And also, how do you navigate those things like that? We read out earlier, that, hey, that, that we'll do greater things, that God will do all things. Well, hang on, but Lord, I've prayed some things. And how do I navigate that? And what does that verse say? And how do I walk in that by faith? He navigates that beautifully in that book. But how do you walk this way without sort of falling one way or the other? It's a really good book. It will really help you if you want to grow in your prayer life. I do believe that. But faithful friends pray with us. And then finally, faithful friends remind us of our call and provoke us to persevere. Verse 18, uh, 17. Say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Why do you think he says this to Archippus? Help him persevere. Why would you say that to someone? Take heed to the ministry. Come on. Don't give up. That you're going to fulfill it. Which you've received in the Lord. This isn't just something you've made up. This is something this is God's called you to here, isn't it? It's because there are times, and again, I reckon if I went for a show of hands here, that if you have never felt like giving up, I wonder if any hands in the room would go up. I felt like giving up. I felt low and felt that feeling of, I just don't know if I want to do this. You know, you're like, I don't know, can I do this? Sure, there's easier jobs to do, Lord. And I'm grateful for others around me who strengthened my hand in those moments. Actually, there was one moment a few years ago where I sat down in my chair in the morning and I, was, I just felt, and we were going through some difficult stuff, and I sat in my chair and I thought, Lord, I just don't know. Maybe, maybe it's time to something different. And I said to God, I could do with some encouragement today. 
And that day I got a phone call from a man called Ray Lowe. Those of you who've been around New Frontiers any length of time might know Ray. Ray's been around for centuries. <laughs> um, I think he's back since the Reformation, anyone that really know him. <laughs> uh, but he loves church history. Um, I haven't spoken to Ray in years. He was really involved with Kings for a number of years and helping us and, and so on. I knew him really well and know him really well. But I haven't spoken to him for years. That day he called me. And he said, me and Sue have been praying this morning. And we just thought I need to give you a call and see how you're doing. I was like, Whoa. That's timing, isn't it? And it was his words that day that helped strengthen me. We all need that. We need people close enough to us, though. And also, I'm grateful that there was someone who was praying that day and was willing to be open to maybe a little prod. And maybe he could have thought, you know, why well, I haven't spoken to Toby in years, I ain't going to bother calling him. He ain't called me. <laughs> but he didn't. He got on the phone and he called me that day. And the timing was amazing. And it's just what I needed to hear. Faithful friends remind us of our call and provoke us to persevere. So this week, let's be thinking, well, I think two things, actually. One is, pray for faithful friends. If you're feeling, do you know what, I just don't know, I, I could... And you go through different seasons of your life, and, and that, this has been observed, all right? I'm not saying it's true of every man in the room. But someone has observed, and I think he does in his book, actually, Gordon MacDonald observed in there, that men tend to the older they get, they, there's the, the possibility. Um, that we do go through different seasons. I think we have to be quite intentional about this sometimes, about saying to people, not in a weird way, will you be my friend? Because that's a little bit weird, isn't it? If someone comes up to you and starts doing that, we know we're not saying that. But do you know the way to make good friends? Just be a good friend, actually. Just be a good friend to people. You'll make friendships. You'll find those clicks when, when, we do, when we do that. But I know it's not always easy. I know it's not always straightforward for everyone. But pray about it. Just pray about it. If, if you're saying, Lord, I do want some people in my life that are close enough to see it, close enough to say it, pray about it. But then also this week, you've got the opportunity from the word go, haven't you? You know, To be that friend. And I know you are. I'm not saying you're not. It's just that let's, let's keep growing in that friendship with one another. Let's keep pursuing those friendships. You're not going to be best friends with everyone. A handful of really close friends, those running partners, those that you go together with in life. But I know that your heart is to have that at the heart of the church here in Beckles, isn't it? To have those deep friendships with one another that point people to Jesus, that encourage your hearts, that stick with us through suffering, that sometimes fail us. We don't want that so much. (laughs) But walk through it well, though. Walk through the difficulties well. You do want that that do pray for us and that encourage us in God, that provoke us of our call and remind us of our call in God.